Securities and advisory services through Independent Financial Group, LLC, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor member, FINRASIPC. Dennis O'Brien, president of O'Brien Retirement Investment Group out of Mystic, Connecticut. Exit 90 down from Steak Loft. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when people ask me for directions to the office. I say Steak Loft. They go, oh, we know where that is. So everybody knows for Steak Loft because they've been around for 50 years or so. I, I don't know. But uh, hope everybody's doing well. A little, little nip to the air this morning. I guess we're not used to it, so it seems like it's uh, 20 degrees colder than it is. But it was, I think. Rocky told me he was 16 when he got here this morning, and it was 19 when I was on the road this morning to my car dealer, who aggravated me this morning. I'm aggravated by my car dealer, but I'll tell you that story a little bit. Anyway, welcome to the Retirement Life Investing Show here on 94.9 News Now. My name is Dennis O'Brien. I own and operate O'Brien Retirement Investment Group in office staff from Stake Loft, office at 90 Mystic. Our number for the show today is 860-464-9490. You can call Chris here. I'll put you on hold and uh, with any questions you may have. Feel free to ask anything today because I'm feeling frisky from all the coffees I've drank this morning. Uh, my back is stiff, but my mind is razor sharp. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, just a little bit of a different tack this morning. Um, are you finding you're getting uh, aggravated all the time? Do little things set you off? Do you find yourself tuning out people when you should be listening closer? Are tailgaters getting on your nerves? <laughs> do coworkers go on and on about stuff you do not care one iota about? Is the news always depressing and confrontational? Well, my friends, it's time we closed our eyes, unless you're driving right now. Take three very deep breaths and say a little prayer. So I have a little workplace prayer I try to say in the morning. Some mornings I do forget, but... It's more important that uh, I try to say it now and then. And the prayer goes like this, and it's very simple, but I always feel better after I say it. So I'm going to say it to all of you. And I'm not particularly religious, but I, I do believe in prayer, and I think it helps. And I certainly would try it over pharmaceuticals or anything else that your doctor may prescribe, because I think people overprescribe stuff, and uh, people, uh, just normal moods, it's okay. You get in a bad mood, you're in a good mood, no big deal, you know? My Heavenly Father, as I enter this workplace, I bring your presence with me. I speak your peace, your grace, your mercy, and your perfect order in this office. I acknowledge your power over all that will be spoken, thought, decided, and done within these walls. Lord, I thank you for the gifts you bless me with. I commit to using them responsibly in your honor. Give me a fresh supply of strength to do my job. Anoint my projects, ideas, and energy so that even my smallest accomplishment may bring you glory. Lord, when I'm confused, guide me. When I'm burned out, infuse me with the light of the Holy Spirit. May the work that I do and the way I do it bring faith, joy, and a smile to all I come in contact with today. I think that's a wonderful prayer. Uh, every time I read it, I just feel uplifted and, and better. So if you say this every day at home or at your workplace, I can't guarantee you results, but I can guarantee you'll feel much better about your day in every way. Try it. Works for me more than you'll ever know. So what's going on with the markets? Oh, well, let's talk about it a little bit. My internal numbers are improving dramatically. So I told you, remember, on Christmas Eve, only four stocks positive for every 100 down. 0.04 is as negative as I've seen since October 2012. That was Christmas Eve. 
Right now, as I left the office, I ran the numbers, and they're improving dramatically. The soldiers are starting to come back onto the field. The buy-sell ratio, which bottomed out at 4 to 100, positive to negative, has now moved to 64 positive to 100 negative, which is 0.64. So that tells you that soldiers are starting to come back onto the field. It's starting to get better and better. When it hits 100 positive to 100 negative, 1.0, that means watch out, we could be off to the races. So it's up to the Chinese at this point, but it feels like it's just a matter of time. Chinese economic numbers are dreadful, so they're motivated to get it done too. Also, I've noted that, and uh, someone said this, and I thought it was a very interesting comment. He said there's been no leaks during the talks, which means no one is trying to sabotage the deal, which is very, very positive. So So while everyone's talking about the wall, the real story may be unfolding soon, so pay very, very close attention to that. Now, Trump is a master of misdirection, so don't be surprised when he pulls a Chinese trade deal out of the hat. Be funny if he offers the Chinese the contract to build the wall. The irony of that just uh, I can't, esca- it can't escape me. Um, but in any case, the cannabis ETF took off this week, which surprised no one after it had gotten very, very low and beaten down. Hopefully the oil stock index will follow suit soon, but would not be surprised. GE climbed above nine on Friday. Larry Culp believers are expanding. I bought some this week for some clients. Count me as one of them. I'm a big Larry Culp fan, the new chairman of GE. So uh, we'll keep an eye on it. You know, it's one of those things that's going to take a couple of years to unfold. So uh, um, it's not one of these quick, quick, quick things that you have to uh, um, get in quick. So anybody tells you that. Well, let's, let's talk about that a minute, too. Uh, you know, somebody asked me... Uh, this week about track records <laughs> and any any advisor financial advisor worth his salt rolls his eyes when somebody says track record because track records are something that the product pushers love to push you know if you have a particular mutual fund that has a track record 10-year track record seven percent compounded eight percent compounded i mean the baron funds baron partners fund great record right but the problem is with track records is they don't mean anything. All they do is give you an indicator that the person or people or the style of management may have some value. But even the greatest funds, you know, there's one fund that's been up five times since 08, 09. Five times. That's 400%, right? 500%. I'm not, I got to do the math. I need more coffee. Chris, anyway... But, you know, that fund went down 50% in the 08 09 correction. So if you got his track record in early 09, you would think the guy's a moron. And he's absolutely a brilliant investor. So guy comes into me and says, Oh, I'm only down uh, 5%. And then I look at the portfolio. You know, the market's down 20, he's down 5. He's looking at my track record. And I go, Well, did you grow at all during the good times? No. So what really is a track record? Bernie Madoff had a great track record. He offered people 12%, no risk. And he had, he'd give you documentation, track record out the kazoo. You know what? Any good advisor will tell you. It's more important you stay within your risk tolerances, your income levels, and what you're looking for. And sometimes some of the stocks we buy take off. Some of them go way down short term. But over time, they, they can do very, very well. 
So watch out for track records. When somebody says, I want a track record, you are begging to be ripped off. You are asking for a product. And chances are you're going you're gonna to be a very, very unhappy person. So track records are, um, there's a lot of smart, well-educated people in the markets. I watch what these hedge funds are doing, these institutions are doing. I see these pension plans giving these hedge funds money. You know, some of the hedge funds, a lot of them are closed up. They've done extremely poorly, many of them, since 08, 09, you know. And some of the people who were down huge in 08, 09 have done extremely well. So, you know, there are very good investors out there, five percenters out there that are very well. They usually do not want to wind up working for mutual funds because they can make a ton of a lot more money doing it on their own or through hedge funds or taking companies' private equity, you know, in that game. So please bear in mind when you hear when you hear track record and all that, be aware that it's probably a product pusher, okay? And, and people that tell you they have no risk, you know, try to figure out what's going on here, whether it's just a product they're selling, wham, bam, thank you, bye, I'm gone, and, and, and they're, they're never to be seen, seen, seen again from. So just be very aware about that. All right, I'm off that rant. General Dynamics climbed above 160. I talk about some of the local stocks every week. It's one of the things I want to do, just so people know that I, I do pay attention to them. Um, GD climbed above 160. You know, the chart says it could run to one mid-190s. We don't know, but we'll see, okay? Pfizer's still in the low 40s, but doing well. It's held up very, very well and everything else. The biotech jumped big time. The biotech index jumped big time this week. A lot of innovation coming, kids. Get ready, especially in the cancer front. Uh, very, very exciting. The robotics index is still very, very cheap. DTF, the follows the robotics artificial index, very, 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 very cheap. Now keep an eye on it. I think it's worth taking a look at it if it's suitable for you. Okay. One guy came in. He says, "You're very, very careful what you tell people." I go, "Darn right I am, because I'm dealing with 85-year-old little old ladies that want income, and I got some 35-year-old kid that wants microcaps growth. So, depending on your your investment philosophy, your objectives, your suitability, uh, the portfolios look very, very different. How's that for a track record?" following up, following along what people really, really um, are suited for. And that's a very difficult thing to do, and it takes some time to get to know people in order to do that. In any case, if you'd like to get my Retirement 10 Commandments, go to O'BrienRetire.com, hit the magic button. I'm more than happy to set it up. If you'd like an appointment, we don't charge for you to come in and talk as many times as you'd like. Um, I encourage you to bring in your statements and your tax forms and go to Social Security ahead of time to get your estimates. If you go on the Social Security site, make sure you have your cell phone on you because they're going to send you that IVC code uh, so that you can put in your permanent password and whatnot. Make sure you keep it um, in your notes section of your iPhone or somewhere where you have a um, you know, password there so it's everything's protected. If you write it down, write it down. But you know how many people that write them down lose them. Make sure, too, if you have an iPhone, make sure you're backing it up to the cloud. Okay, I know it co- sometimes I'll ask you for 25 bucks to do it. Do it. Do it. Do it, do it. Because if something, you lose it, you can download the new one real quick. Please come back. And if you have a call in question, 860-464-9490. We're happy to take your calls today. Thank you.
back, America, to the Retirement Life and Investing Show here on 94.9 News Now. Hope everybody's doing well, and uh, make sure you put a hat on today and gloves. Hope everybody's doing well. Sorry about that. I'm just, uh, I need more coffee. Help. Anyway, we're talking about the robotics index on the last um, thing. My name is Dennis O'Brien, by the way. Um, Income is still the way to go if you're older. So many of the indexes I follow have risks, but yields, cash yields of 8, 9, 10 on a cash basis. And liquidity is still there with with these because they trade on the exchanges. So they jump around a bit, but they uh, do play good cash flow. And so I was reading about a 35-year-old who was a very disciplined saver. So when he started working in his early 20s, he cut his expenses way down when he started working, and he kept saving 50% of his income. I call this the extreme saver, you know. This kid was extreme. So when his interest and dividends started coming in at about 5000 a month, he ACH'd them back into his checking, and his monthly expenses were only 2500 He retired at 35. <laughs> I'll tell you, no wife, no kids, yet you got to admire his goal setting and discipline. So I don't know what he's doing now, but he's off and, and doing what he wants. So it's very, very interesting uh, watching some of these young millennials uh, do a good job. So uh, I think one of the secrets is the key for all of you out there that are trying to um, build up your net worth is when you pay off your car loan or your mortgage, continue to make the payment, but instead pay it into your joint or single investment account. So say you had a $2,000 a month mortgage payment and you got that mortgage paid off, okay? Well, continue the $2,000 that you're used to paying, but now put it in the investment account or Sign up on those ACH forms, and I'll take it right out every month on the 1st, 10th, whatever date you want to do. Same with that car loan, three, four, five, six hundred dollars $600. Some people, some people come into my office with $600, $700 car loan payments. Ouch. Ouch. Call me old-fashioned, but now that's a lot of money. Once that's paid off and you can handle it, then why not continue that payment but paying yourself in, into your investment account? If you do that... And all of a sudden, all that money you were paying out is now coming back to you, and it's growing and growing on the investment side. And we start buying good quality stocks, good quality indexes, income, growth, whatever you want, whatever fits your um, what you're trying to do, and you build that up over time, you're going to have a nice nest egg. And some of you, if you can get your debts paid off in your 40s and take that payments and start establishing the savings as aggressive as you were spending, some of you could wind up with, you know, a couple million bucks if you start early enough. So why not pay yourself and why not have that freedom? You know, money isn't everything. You know, you want your kids to be good. You want your marriage to be good. But money sure helps with freedom and lack of anxiety. It's not everything, but it sure helps, you know. So it's uh, try to try to go for balance and whatnot in your life, but it cer- certainly helps. And, uh now, I've done this with uh, dozens of you who have made the payments off, and then we just continued them into the investment account. It's amazing how quickly your net worth investment portfolio will grow, given enough time, okay? Remember, the dumb ones and the smart ones. I, I brought it in again because a lot of people have been saying, I really like that, but um, uh, remember, the dumb ones um, are always always checking their quotes short-term. The smart ones go about their business with a discipline and long-term orientation. And I get it when you first get involved, you want to look at the quotes, you see the stock go up, you're down, it jumps around. Some of these tech stocks have been beaten 
creamed. And, I, you know, I nibbled on them for a few of you, and they went down, of course, after I bought them. But, you know, the prices we bought are good. And I think given three to five years, I think we're going to do fine. But it's one of those things where it's a learning experience. And a lot of you expressed express the view that you're glad I'm doing it. <laughs> well, you know, you're paying me to do it, you know, and I'm going to do my darndest to do a great job for you. Am I going to give you a track record? No. But, boy, I sure want to have one, you know, a good one for you, and that's what counts within your parameters, you know. So it's very individualized, and it's very, very, quote. Now, it's easy to lose your focus, especially when the headlines read so bad. And it's really the time when you need the discipline the most. So I can help you with that because I've been through many, many of these corrections. And, you know, some of you call in and go, what do you think? And I go, just watch, watch the interest rates and watch the oil. And I'll, I'll say it again, okay? When we were correcting and getting creamed, I watched interest rates start to come down and oil collapse. And that told me that the worldwide economy was slowing down. The Chinese were slowing down. The Fed was going to stop raising rates. It told me that the last one or two rate increases, I think two, were a mistake. They overdid it. They always do it. And they did it again. They did it again, okay, because they ignored the forward-looking indicator. All their indicators are backward-looking, okay? They look and see, look and see. But the forward-looking indicator is the stock market. The stock market looks out 6, 9, 12, 15 months. And tries, it's always trying to predict what earnings will be, what interest rates will be, and how to discount those earnings back. A little financial gibberish, but that's what it's trying to do. Okay? And they ignored it in October, and then they raised again in December. Now, I wasn't nice because in October I called the Fed idiots, and I wasn't very nice. And then in December, I called them morons, which wasn't very, very nice at all. So I apologize. But I stand by my thesis that they made a mistake. So be aware, as in 08, 09, the policymakers make mistakes, and you and me wind up paying for it, okay? They never seem to lose their jobs when they make mistakes. But God forbid us in the private sector make a mistake. We're gone, you know? So it's, it's an interesting dichotomy, that's for sure, with those guys and everything else. So remember, the dumb ones are checking their quotes all the time. The smart ones go about their business. Now, once the automatic savings and investment is in place, you'll be on autopilot for success. I've seen it time and time again. Um, also, I want to make my apologies to Dave out there. I've been remiss about sending you the retirement in a nutshell cash flow report. I got a little backed up, okay? With all these new accounts uh, you people have opened here in the last three months. But I'm working on it this week, Dave. And when you come in, uh, bring me a hazelnut, extra cream, no sugar. And, and uh, we'll, we'll go over it when you're ready. But uh, I apologize. Uh, sometimes I get backed up, you know. But I get it done. And I'm always, I'll always be there. Now, remember, you kids in the accumulation phase, still putting money in your 401ks, your 403bs, Okay. A very wise old-timer told me this trick, and I'm passing it on to you. When you're first starting out, I know you don't have a lot of extra money. So the way to do it is to raise your contribution rate 1% to 2% every year, okay, till you get to the max, okay? So even if you start out, say they're matching up to 50% of 3, so you put in the 6, you get the 3, total 9, 
and next year put in seven or eight, next year eight or nine, and keep raising it till you get to the max amount of cash because you'll find it'll be, a, a, you won't miss the money, okay? And you'll be slowly but surely really building momentum towards your, towards your, to, to what your long-term goals is. So it's a very, very good little tip. Please follow it. And this is the time of year you want to do it because this is when you get all your new paperwork on your health insurance, maybe a 401k update. Maybe they change providers. They usually do it end of the year. But make sure you look and see what you're doing and then add 1% to 2% every year. Keep raising it, okay? And if you do that, you'll be far, far ahead, and you won't miss the money as much because it's usually when you'll get an increase if you get one at all. So maybe you won't miss it as much. So that's that's one of the things that uh, I think is very, very important to do. Now, Dave Ramsey and his team, you know, they do such a wonderful job of helping people get organized with debt repayment and savings discipline. So we'll talk about that a little bit on the next break. If you'd like my Retirement 10 Commandments or get like a retirement in a nutshell cash flow report, more than happy to uh, work with you on that. Just uh, go to my website, obrienretire.com, hit the magic button, make an appointment. Let's sit down, bring your statements in, or fill out the profile form and We'll start to get you organized and open a file and see what we can do to help you reach your investment goals. This is Dennis O'Brien with the Retirement Life and Investing Show on 94.9 News Now. I'll be back in a few. Retirement Life and Investing Show. It was Christmas Eve and Dean Simpson was feeling anything but joyful. Three months before the Twin Towers had fallen, and as his fellow officers had rushed into the burned building, Simpson was off sleeping another drunken night. Disabled in a shooting 70 years before, Simpson had lost the sense of purpose that propelled him into the force. Now a 35-year-old seemed to do his drink and attend one funeral after another. That night, Simpson writes in the blue pawn, the memoir of an NYPD foot soldier. He put a gun in his pocket and boarded a train to upstate New York. It was there that he planned to end his life, only to meet an angel, a chatty grandmother who, in a brief encounter, gave him the gift that changed his life. Now, Christmases in Brooklyn, where Simpson grew up, were more idyllic than any normal Rockwell portrait could depict. Bay Ridge was one big extended family, and Simpson was running errands for neighbors and working in the grocery store across the street from St. Patrick's Church, where he went to school. His mother, an alcoholic, died when he was seven, but he and his older brother had aunts, cousins, and friends. Most of all, they had their father, James, an NYC police detective, who was Dean's idea of what a man could be. After an Army stint in college, Dean joined the force himself. Like his father, he wanted to help people. He felt he was a calling. By 21, he was on a foot patrol in Midtown's 3rd Division. On Restaurant Row, he caught a burglar coming down a fire escape. Once he passed probation, he got a squad car, and in 1993, a gunshot ended everything. He was driving past Clinton Park along 12th Avenue when he saw two men in hoodies moving furtively. He, Simpson got his car to check it out, and one man reached into his pocket and pulled out a gun. Simpson lunged for it and went off, shattering his knuckle. He fell to the ground, pistol-whipped and breathless. He figured it was done. he was done. And then he heard sirens. Someone had called for help. 
Simpson survived, but his mangled hand made it hard for him to handle a gun. He suffered vertigo and hearing loss and went on disability and slowly disappeared into the bottle. Drinking, he found, was a great deadener. His father had died that June after a brief and debilitating battle with non-Hodgkin's lipoma, and he and his brother were estranged. The woman Simpson dated for two years, the one he planned to give his late mother's ring to, had fallen in love with someone else. Single and jobless, Simpson looked at his life and found it empty. Then on September 10, 2001, found him at his usual Brooklyn bar. When he finally woke up the next morning, the world was ripped apart. Him and his fellow officers were trying to pick up the pieces. Simpson put on his uniform, got in his car. The Tribal Bridge police escorted him across to Manhattan, where he worked, walked to the stinking room like everyone called the pile. Simpson worked there for three weeks and realized he was only getting in the way. Then the funeral started, 23 of them. In between, Simpson was at the bar drinking wild turkey and Cokes. The quiet, the insistent thought, what am I contributing? He longed to stop. He long stopped going to church. When a priest of St. Patrick's came by his home, Simpson hustled him out, and now it was Christmas. And all the years before he spent with his father, without him, Simpson had nothing to celebrate and no one to celebrate it with. He thought about a close friend, a fellow officer so troubled he shot himself in a midtown bar. Simpson thought of the mess the man left behind. One night, sitting in his bed with his father's old revolver, he tried to think of a reason to live and pulled the trigger hard enough to make the hammer move. No, he decided if he killed himself, he'd do it in a secluded place where no one have to clean up his mess. He remembered a couple he had met as a rookie. They came into the city from upstate from the devastating duty of identifying the body of their daughter who had died in a fire. They told him he planned to spread her ashes on Black Mountain overlooking Lake George, the most peaceful, beautiful place they knew. It was just what Simpson was looking for. He couldn't bear to spend another Christmas alone. On December December 24, 2001, he put his father's small worn Bible in one pocket, a gun in the other. At Penn Station, he bought a one-way ticket to Albany. A taxi would take him the rest of the way. He wasn't alone for long. Just before the train pulled out, a woman sat next to him. She gave Simpson a smile he didn't return. The last thing he wanted was a conversation, especially with some cheery 60-ish lady with a Gucci bag and a bright red scarf. Isn't it pretty, she said, snow-frosted trees flashing by their window. She spoke about how she loved the holidays and how beautiful the city was this time of year. On and on she prattled as Simpson stood in silence. It was a a two-and-a-half-hour ride, he thought. Maybe he should just throw himself out the window train and be done with it. When she asked him what he liked most about the city, the rudeness of his response shocked even himself. I love anonymity, Simpson told his seatmate. I love in a city with over 8 million people, I can go for days without talking to a soul and not feel like I'm missed out on a single thing. However, the thing I love most about New York City is being left alone. Another person might have slapped him. The woman just stared back wounded. Shame washed over him. How could he treat someone that way? He stammered an apology and relief, and she accepted it. Her name was Erin, she told him. She was from Saratoga, and her husband, a doctor, had died years before. She herself was a doctor until her children came, and now her two grandchildren. Gently, she drew him out about his own life. It had been a long time since Simpson had talked to anyone, at least about anything that mattered. Now and then, he choked up and touched his arm. Her compassion brought tears to his eyes. Just before the train pulled into Albany, she excused herself. When she returned, she held a slip of pink paper. I don't know where you're heading, she told Simpson, but when you get there, read this. Then they hugged and she disappeared. He took a taxi to the path of the Black Mountain. It was noon when he started climbing, although the sky was bright blue, ice caps dippled Lake George. 
As he walked the two-and-a-half-mile trail, he thought about the twists his own life had taken. At the summit, he took out his father's Bible. A scrap of paper fluttered out. On it, a faded pencil, his dad had marked a favorite passage, Corinthians 10.13. How strange, Simpson thought, 10.13 was the police code for an officer needing assistance. As he read the passage with his message of salvation, he no longer felt alone. He read the note Aaron had left him. Dean, she written, life is a gift meant to be shared. Don't ever give up hope. Merry Christmas, Aaron. He looked at it for a while, and a weight seemed to lift off him. He emptied the chamber of his gun, then tossed it into the abyss. Uplifted, he headed down the trail. Aaron was right. She'd been given a, he'd been given a gift, and he was ready to share it. Simpson stopped drinking. He knew he needed to change the scenery, so two, two years after that moment on the mountain, he moved to Florida. In Delray Beach, he threw himself into volunteer work, helping traumatized war veterans slowly rebuild their lives. Whenever they resisted, he remembered Erin and her compassion and tried another way to connect. On Super Bowl Sunday, 2010, he met Diana, the soft-spoken, dark-haired beauty that left Columbia to make a life in America for her and her seven-year-old daughter. Suddenly, Simpson had someone to live for, someone he wanted to be his best self. I wanted someone genuine, Simpson, now 51, says, and Diana was. Four years after they met, they married. And Erin? Simpson never got, to, got her last name. He said he tried tracking her down, but she seems to have vanished. In the meanwhile, he keeps her note by his dad's Bible on top of his dresser, and whenever he reads it, he's struck again by how one stranger's compassion made all the difference in the world. Angels are all around us, he says. People talk about acts of kindness. We may not realize how many of them are bestowed on us every day. And that is a story that was written by, a wonderful story written by Barbara Hoffman that appeared in the um, New York Post on December 23rd of last year. And I was moved when I read it, and I just wanted to share it with you because I know we talk about money and investing, but the name of the show is also Life, and um, there are angels all around us. Don't forget that. So if you can offer a kind word to a, to a teenager, to a child, um, to, to an elderly person, sometimes a smile is all it takes. They're free, so give them out if you can. And you feel better yourself about things and everything around you. Remember, um, there's miracles all around us. Don't, don't forget to smile about it because... Um, I think one of the shows on TV called it Godwinks, and they're there all the time. And uh, when I've been at the lowest of the low, um, and when you didn't seem like I have a friend in the world, um, you know, an angel will appear. Uh, and then I had it happen to me and uh, turned my life around. So when people say, oh, what happened here? What happened when you were going through this? And I said, it was actually the best thing. Now I have perspective on it. And I hope you do too. Sometimes those are the most amazing things that happen to you because it gives you an opportunity not only to persevere and succeed and do well, but also to share that gift and try to help others that are struggling too. In any case, uh, if you'd like to get together and talk about your situation, um, please feel free. Go to my website, O'BrienRetire.com. Go to D-O'Brien at IFGRR.com. O'Brien at ifgrr.com or you can call my office at 860-415-9614. This is the Retirement Life and Investing Show on 94.9 FM and we're hoping that you will continue listening to us as we prepare our um, 
prepare for tax season, which is coming soon. So the next section will talk about tax season, the things you need to get ready for, and uh, help you prepare for that. And um, and if you need a referral to a good CPA or a good tax professional, uh, please reach out, and I'm more than happy to uh, help you with that. Uh, some of you have done your taxes yourself, and I'd urge you, especially this year, not to do that. I'd urge you to get a tax professional. Thanks for listening to Retirement Life Investing Show. We'll be back for our last segment in a few moments. Thank you. Retirement Life and Investing Show. My name is Dennis O'Brien. I'm owner of O'Brien Retirement Investment Group in Mystic, Connecticut, down from Stakeloff off Exit 90. My phone right now is 860-464-9490. Feel free to call in. I'm tired of talking. And uh, and hit me with your best shot. <laughs> in any case, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not tired of talking. I'm just... Uh, um, I want to talk about a gentleman who approached me this week. This is an interesting one, something I haven't come across before because, you know, it's not my area of expertise, but I'm fascinated. One of the things I love about the job is I'm always surprised by, oh, I didn't think of that. Somebody comes to me with a different situation I haven't seen before. And I love to learn. So to me, it's like, oh, this is this is interesting. So he comes to me and he says, listen, he goes, I own millions of dollars in real estate. Okay, because I'm not bragging, I'm just telling this is the facts. He goes, I've owned them a long time, and as you know, if you own rental properties, you can take depreciation on them, okay? And so as you take this um, depreciation through the years, it's a tax deduction, but it lowers your tax basis on the properties. So let's talk about, for example, say you buy a property, multifamily building for $500,000, Okay. Well, you can depreciate that over the years, and then eventually your basis for that building can be close to zero. So when you go to sell it, your capital gains are going to be huge, and you owe the capital gains at that time, okay? So this gentleman owns millions of dollars in real estate. He's been depreciating them for a long time, and his tax basis is close to zero. And his problem is he wants to sell them, Okay. He's tired of waking up 2 in the morning with calls for plumbing and electrical. And I get it. And he's getting older, and he's just tired of it, right? But he doesn't want to pay capital gains, right? So he comes to me, and he says, do you know anything about 1031 exchanges? And I've read about them like everyone else. We can exchange one property for another, okay, and avoid the capital gains as long as you do these very stringent rules along the way, okay, which I'm not familiar with. I mean, I just know they're there. Something about a trust, 45 days. There's a bunch of rules, and you don't screw that up because then you'll have all the capital gains. So I said, that's fine. I said, what I'll do, and I talked to a couple of people that do this sort of thing, and I said, is this, you know, is this pretty common? They said, oh, absolutely, especially uh, in the Sun Belt where there's a lot of properties that have appreciated. The, the real estate markets have been a lot more robust than the Sun Belt, Okay. 
So this is done a lot, lot in California, through Texas, Arizona, down through Florida, Nevada, where the real estate really markets in the South. The real estate markets have been a lot more robust. So the gentleman's basically asking me, can he, can I put him in touch with people to go through this? And I said, I will. And I said, I will gather, start gathering some information for you. But I need you to come in and go through everything and explain it to me, what you have, what you're trying to do, and everything else. So I said, I will do the work, but you have to make the leap of faith to trust me to share your personal finances, okay? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm 61. I don't run around like a rookie spinning my wheels until I know that you're serious and you want me to be your point person on this. If you're just on a general fact-finding mission, that's fine and everything else. And I could send you some general pieces or you can Google them yourself and print them out. You don't need me to do that. But if you want specific people that do this and have the products on the other side and have done it hundreds of times and know what they're doing, okay, the toll for that information will be sit down with me and let's go through it and make sure you're serious about this. So it's an interesting situation. Okay, and I'm very, very interested in learning about it as much as I can and going through it with him, but in a professional, professional way and uh, research, research, research. So 1031 exchanges, real estate, avoiding, avoiding um, capital gains, I guess is a very big market in there. We don't see it as much here in the Northeast because our real estate's been kind of blah, you know, if you bought a Building in New London or Norwich, you're kind of blah, you know. The taxes are just, just killing, just killing these people. I, I heard the other day, one of the, I think the Ames Club, you know, they're, you know, the real estate taxes are so high, it's the biggest item in their budget, and they may have to go down. You know, they have a tough time staying open if the real estate, they don't get a break on the real estate. It just kills everybody, you know, because when you get to 45 mils, 50 mils. Very, very tough. New London Day can talk all they want about the resurgence of the cities, but it, you know, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen until you reduce, you know, the tax bases in those cities. Now I'm off, I'm off the Sunbelt real estate, but you got to look at it and stuff like that, and stuff. Like, and Amazon's going into uh, supposedly Brooklyn and Queens, and I think it's Brooklyn they're going to open a headquarters and stuff like that. And I feel sorry for all these kids that are renting, you know, studios for fifteen hundred a month, because if Amazon comes in, those studio apartments are probably going to go to twenty five, thirty five, forty five hundred a month, especially you know in Manhattan or in the Brooklyn area, close close to that headquarters. So, very interesting. Wouldn't it be nice if Connecticut could start bringing in these companies, okay, and have vibrant cities with low low mill rates? And money pouring into them. Just think of the energy. And our kids would not have to move to New York or Boston or North Carolina. They could actually stay in the state. And we could see them on the weekends without dealing with that shoreline train. That that those cars are as old as the hills. You know? I'm waiting for one of them to go off the tracks one of the days. Cause, and that train pulls into Old Saybrook. Oh, my God. I'm looking for the steam. Really, it's that bad. They are so old and so decrepit. And you look it up, you look at the bridges over, you know, you die down 95, you're looking at the overpasses, and you see the rust, and you see the infrastructure that we need, 
And I don't know about you, but when I go over the Gold Star Bridge northbound, I'm looking at that thing going, I don't know. I, I hope it's safe. I hope it's safe because I, I just it just doesn't feel safe. So we need to bring growth back to the state. Governor Lamont, I know, I know you need certain power groups to keep you elected. I get it. But the best deal is when everybody benefits, okay? And we need all to benefit. Because I, I figure probably between house depreciation and extra taxes, Governor Malloy cost the O'Brien household over the last eight years probably $150,000, okay? So you can see why he's not that popular as he left office, okay, like that. And there was no reason to do any of that. He could have done it the right way. And everybody would be better off, and everybody would be stronger. So hopefully, 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 Governor Lamont, he's a smart enough guy. He's no dummy. He's been in business. He knows what he's doing. But hopefully he does, he does not trying to be popular, but he's actually going to do the brave and the right thing in terms of getting our expenses and cutting the property taxes, especially in the cities, getting energy going back into the state again. Okay. And uh, I'm always amazed. I'm amazed. I go to Ireland, okay, and Ireland has rebounded tremendously. And Ireland rebounded because they have a 12% corporate tax rate. And if anything, companies are coming into Ireland, okay? I want that for Connecticut. I want us to grow. Not a hard formula, guys. I know you guys have the power, and you don't think you need to do anything. But eventually, eventually, if you don't do the right thing, you'll be despised as much as the last guy. And you don't want that. There's no reason for it. We can, we can do better. We can do better, and I really, really hope the governor is listening or his sister in Stonington's listening, and and they want to do where everyone benefits, not just the certain groups, okay? I want everybody to benefit. And uh, one guy came in my office, and he said to me, I can't figure out if you're a Republican or a Democrat. I go, well, just pay me a compliment because I, I don't go politics. I don't go political on the show. My job is to help you with your finances, getting organized and whatnot. So that's something that, um, that uh, is very, very important to me. So we talked about a lot of things. I was just hinting about Dave Ramsey. I can't tell you how many people have come to my office that have gone through Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey. A lot of the churches offer it. So perk up if you hear that. And how many and people I know have actually gone to Nashville and taken the training to become an instructor. But how many people have come into my office saying we started it five, six, seven years ago, two years ago, and it changed our lives. And now we're accumulating so much money we need to come see you to help us investing because we were never real investors before because we never had money. We just had a lot of debt. I can't tell you how many people have come in and said that to me. So, Dave Ramsey, thank you, thank you, thank you for the wonderful work you and your people doing. He's growing like crazy. Last I heard, he was up to 700 employees in, um, in Nashville and growing. He's looking for people all the time. Nashville's growing like crazy because they don't have a state income tax. So, it's like anything else. I think we have Sam in Westerly. Sam, before we go, how are you? Uh, better than ever. Almost 81. <laughs> good, good. How you doing? All right? Very well, thank you. Good. Talking about uh, Republicans, Democrats, or what party it might be or not. Yep. I'm just studying uh, Benjamin Rush, one of our founders. Yep. And uh, he was asked that question one time, whether he was a Republican or a Democrat or whatever it was. And he says, no, I'm neither. 
I'm a Christocrat. <laughs> a Christocrat. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. I hadn't either till I read it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Stay well. Oh, Christocrat, however you want to pronounce it. <laughs> aristocrat. Oh, that's funny. No, no not aristocrat. Christ, Christ. Christocrat. That's why I said it that way. <laughs> I know. I got you. I got you. Well, thanks, Sam. I appreciate it. You're welcome. God T- bless you. Take care. Well, I never heard that one before, but that was great. Anyway, I think we're winding down pretty soon here. Chris is flashing me ones or twos. I don't know what he's doing over there, but uh, he's so effective, and I want to just shout out to everybody here at Full Power Radio. They're just absolutely wonderful people. Uh, It goes from John, the owner, all the way down. They've treated me wonderfully, and they've helped my business so much. Big believer in radio people out there, so... Uh, what John says is true. Uh, look to radio. It takes a while for people to get to know you, but it's actually a wonderful medium. And the people actually who are listening to radio want to learn. They want to listen. They come in with a lot of great questions. And I love it because they're just, I think they're real smart people. And I love meeting all of you. So don't hesitate to call. There's never sales pressure. We don't do front end loads. We try to do the fiduciary thing as much as we can. So feel free, reach out. And uh, have a great, great week. And give everybody a hug and a smile. Take care. Bye-bye now.